Ephesians chapter 1, verses 8 through 14. Last week, we looked at some blessings. I wanted to really give some good news. You know, I, uh, we came to Ephesians chapter 1 in our lectionary readings, and uh, man, it was just, it's the, one of the longest run-on sentences that Paul has in the New Testament in his letters. And I'm like, this is why I like Paul. He writes like I do. I remember in elementary and junior high and high school, even college and seminary now, my teachers were like, run-on sentence. I'm like, I'm just trying to be like Paul, who says he's trying to be like Christ. So it seems to appear that run-on sentences are okay. But no, we come into this, and I, I, I kind of help like a person that is really good at run-on sentences. Like, you just get so excited, you just can't be quiet. You just got to keep on, keep on, keep on. And so last week, we looked at just a handful of blessings, and today I'm really going to have to do... Um, due diligence here and get and push through all of the rest of the blessings. We last week we looked specifically at the Father's blessing in relationship, in being adopted and chosen by the Father, the one true God in relationship through Jesus Christ. We looked at how Paul just keeps on saying, in Christ, in him, in Christ, in him. He's so repetitive, you would think it has something significant to play a role in in chapter 1. So we looked at that relationship that we get to have, that the Father has provided, that he's always willed for us since the beginning, since the foundation of the world. Then we looked at uh, the, one of the son's blessings. You notice in Ephesians chapter 1, we have blessings from the whole entire family. We have blessings from the Father, blessings from the Son, and blessings from the Holy Spirit. And so we looked last week, one of the blessings from the Son is his, the redemption that he afforded us through the shedding of his blood. And today we're going to continue to look at the Son's blessing and then finish up with the Spirit's blessing. Today we're going to look at the Son's blessing of revelation and rest, and then the Spirit's blessing of reception, righteousness, and a reminding so let's look now and just read through these verses. Let's look first and foremost to the blessings we have in Christ, the Son of God, in verses 8. Look with me in verse 8 and 9. Halfway through that verse, actually 8b. In all wisdom and insight, he, God, made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view of an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ. Things in heaven and things in earth. Right there, I'm just going to pause and say this is one of the greatest gifts that we can receive. It is the gift of revelation. The Son not only blesses us with redemption, he blesses us with revelation. That is the secret to all things. The mystery that has always existed in humanity throughout all history has now been revealed to those who, who are in Christ. God has revealed and has chosen, has predetermined to reveal his will, his intention of his kindness, the secret sauce to the cosmos, the answer to questions, the reasons for his actions, the reason why the sun rises and the sun sets, how the stars were made and what they were made for. Everything begins to make sense with this revelation and he has chosen to reveal it to those who are in Christ. 
Revelation is a very wonderful, wonderful thing. It is a huge blessing because we are no longer left to wonder and question. We can actually read with our own eyes and listen with our own ears to what God has been up to and why things happen and why we exist. It brings clarity, brings focus into our lives, and it is given to those who are in Jesus Christ. Revelation is a, in a sense, is the way when dads have the talk with their children. You know, before Bo was born, my two-year-old, I had already set aside things that I would teach him, train him, do with him. I'd already predetermined the songs that I would sing. I would already predetermine how I would play with him in order to teach him the things that would help him come into what I desired for him. I'll give you an example. When I go home, I like to wrestle with him. I like to play with him. He looks forward to this. We chase each other. We do all these things. But there's a, a warrior uh, game that I play with him. And that is, I lay him on the ground, I put his arms straight up, and I tickle right there. And I say, don't be ticklish. Don't be ticklish, which is super hard for a little kid, right? And I'll run. I'll do the little dirty dancing thing. I'll just run up. And I go, don't be tickled. Don't be tickled. I had predetermined before he was even born that I was going to do that because I want him to be a warrior. Because of my own experiences and the wisdom I have gained through my life, I am going to instill to him. And I'm going to say, these are songs I'm going to teach you. I'm going to sing Jesus loves me in your crib. And now when we go to pray, he sings Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me. And he just runs through it because he thinks that's prayer because that's intentional. I, need, I want him to know that Jesus loves him and that his life has a purpose and a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a reason. And that reason is fulfilled in Christ. This is the exact same thing that God the Father bestows through his son on his adopted children. He says, I have revealed to you through my word all the mystery. It has been unveiled for you. You know now why all things are. You have more of a revelation and understanding than anybody else in all of the world. This is why we often refer to people living in darkness or ignorance, and then they are reborn through the Spirit in Jesus Christ, and now all of a sudden their life begins to make sense. This revelation is so such a blessing because it provides us some aim and direction in our life. There's, I can tell you of all the people that I've had conversations with that are really struggling with, what do I do with my life? I don't know what the, my purpose is. What should I do? What decision should I make? I'm at a crossroads. I'm this, that, and the other thing. What helps come into view is that when we are in Christ and we're in his word and God reveals to you his intent and his desire that he has determined before the foundations of the earth in Christ Jesus, all of a sudden you are able to have that confidence to walk and know why you exist, why the breath is taking place in your lungs, why your blood is pumping from your heart, why your brain is thinking about things. It is all, what does he say? What is this will? What did he reveal? What's the revelation? Oh, this is the good news. The revelation is this. Look at it with me. He says, it is this. 
the summing up of all things in Christ. Moreover, the things in heaven and the earth, all of it, all of it is about Christ. That means everything we do, all the words we say, the reason why creation exists, the reason why your life exists, the reason why we experience what we do is all summed up in Jesus. That's it. But yet, that's a lot. I mean, it's easy to say it's all about Jesus, but we really need to break that down, and I don't have time this morning to break it down. I'm just pointing to the fact that everything in the Old Testament, everything in the New Testament, everything that came before, everything that comes after, everything that comes in the middle is the summing up that everything adds up to Jesus. So much so that there is no boundary between heaven and earth about these things. Often we think about heaven, like, oh, it must be an amazing place, like just beauty and perfection and everything that goes on. You know what they're doing? They're making all things about Jesus. And guess what we get to do here on earth? All things about Jesus. So in a sense, this revelation about the summing up and the addition of everything that we do is supposed to and be meant to and the purpose of it all is about Jesus. We are doing the exact same things that is taking place in the heavenlies. But yet we somehow look to a future vision of, well, I can't wait to go do that. Guess what? We get to do it now. That is the blessing of revelation. That is the blessing that we know why we exist and why I do what I do, why I take out the trash, why I do the dishes, why I get married, why I have children, why I go to work, why I provide for my family, why I do this, why I do that, why we have emotions, why I go to school, why I love my family, why I love relationships. All of it adds up to Jesus. What are the angels doing? What are they, what's happening right now in heaven? What's going on? What's this? What's that? What's this? And heaven is the same thing. All of it is adding up to Jesus. And right now, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, ruling and reigning over all creation. So the sum of all of creation adds up to him. And an additional blessing of this revelation and the summing up of all things in Christ, the fact that we get invited in to see this to fruition. Jesus himself can rule and reign and reveal all this, that give everybody their purpose and the reason why they exist, but he chooses to use us to help pull in his reign and rule in their lives and in this world. The revelation isn't just something that we get that we get to think about and dwell on and meditate on. Yes, it is that, but it's even more than that. It's something we get to live out through our lives and declare to others so they can stop living in the ignorance and the dark, in their own darkness. They can be brought into the light. They can be renewed in their mind. They can have the mind of Christ. That's revelation. That's what we get to have as adopted sons and daughters. We get to know 
all about the family and all about what the family's trying to do. There is no secret anymore for those who are in Jesus Christ. All has been revealed in his word. And the word is Christ, is it not, according to John? 100%. Isn't this also an answer to Jesus' prayer? The Lord's prayer. Do you remember when Jesus was teaching us how to pray? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, listen to this, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is thy will? Oh, he's been made, he's made it known. It's Jesus, that the summing up of all things is my son, the Father says. Jesus prayed this, taught us to pray this, and then we see it's answered. Paul is pointing to the fact that the Lord's prayer has been answered. The summing up of all things in heaven and earth is Jesus. We got to make all things about Jesus. That's the revelation. That's the blessing we get to receive as being part of the family. We get to know the family business and all of its secrets, and we get to make it known and invite others to grow the family. Such a great blessing. You know, there's different backgrounds and traditions that people grew up in. And one, and there's different catechisms or teachings that you give your children. One that I have done for my children in the past has been the Westminster Catechism. The first question, which I love, and I still remember to this day, I may not know the rest of them, but the first one I know is the, is, says, what is the chief end of man? The answer is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. What is the chief end of man? What's their purpose? Why do they exist? To enjoy God, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that's revealed to us in the scriptures, in Christ Jesus, that the summing up of all things is Christ to the praise of his glory. Any life apart from this revelation that is lived, anyone that does not make their entire life about Jesus is a life that's still lived in mystery, that hasn't been unveiled. It's a life that we can say is lived in ignorance. And we need to bring the good news that you don't have to do that, that everything you do in your life is meant for Jesus. Think about this. The engineer who makes water skis can point to Jesus who walks on water. You guys think that's funny. I mean, I think it's funny. But th that's the sense. Anything, even the making of water skis is meant to point to Jesus. How bakers make these delicious donuts and treats to point to feasting. We tie it all that this adds up to point into Jesus, what he has done for us, what he will do for us, all those things. Storytellers, people who love books and stories, everything is supposed to point to the portraits of Jesus. This is why a lot of times you hear people talk about C.S. Lewis and all the stories he tells and, um, and Tolkien and Lord of the Rings is because they actually help us understand what Christ has done for us and all of that stuff. We're to reclaim everything that is broken in this world, everything that has not mirrored or reflect Jesus. We are to bring it 
into reflection. We are to reclaim it and recapture it to manifest its true purpose of why it exists. Many of you are living your lives, maybe still in ignorance, saying, like, this is my purpose and my path, but you haven't even done it under the revelation of bringing it under control and rule and reign of King Jesus. I'm doing what I want. Well, you weren't made to do what you want. You were made to do all things for Jesus, to reflect him, because that is the pinnacle. That is the standard. That is to be all good, all righteous, all loving, all peace, is Jesus. And the sum of all the efforts in your life should be found in him. It's a blessing because there are people journeying through life right now. I've talked to some of them who are aimless, who are living life foolishly, without meaning, and they're searching for it, without direction or a course to sail by. Maybe this is your own experience in some of your children or a family member or a friend. The world desperately wants to know what it ought to do, and it finds all the wrong things, but we have the only right thing and revelation to give to them. We should give them the good news and the blessing that all things are meant for Jesus. I could stop here. I feel like that's enough. We, let's do this like five-week sermon series right now. But wait, there's more. Not only do we have this revelation, Jesus also gives us a retirement, a rest. Look with me in verses 11 and 12. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things out by the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. We are given a retirement. Those in Christ have been given this retirement, which was predetermined and aligned with the very will of God, as we have just read, which is all to be about Jesus. The retirement plans have been finalized for us. That's good news. If you're ever sitting there wondering what your 401k or 410, did I say that right? 410k? I'm struggling. My dyslexia just got the best of me right there. 401, yeah, that thing, the retirement has been finalized. The life of retirement will not be one thing that isn't about Jesus. It's so extravagant that the cheapest things in our retirement will be made with gold. The quality of everything that we get in this inheritance will be made by Jesus himself. And the last time I checked, Jesus is perfect. And everything he does, he perfectly executes. So I want a house built by Jesus. I want streets executed by Jesus. I want a place to live and dwell in peace and love with the perfection of Jesus. And that is what we get to have as a retirement and being in Christ. Here is where our inheritance accompanies our retirement. Because we have been adopted and we have a relationship with the Father, all that is his is given to his sons and daughters. All that is given 
to Jesus, he shares with us. He even shares his throne with us. He even shares his rule and reign over the creation with us. This is biblical. This is revealed in the scriptures. There's no more a mystery, but there is now a hope that lies ahead before us that we get to experience. Now, this is such a great, great, great blessing that because of Jesus, those in Jesus are given a retirement a place of rest where no tear, no minor or major blows, no anxiety, no sin, no brokenness, no fear of failure, no wanting, nor nor needing. Limitless days of having more than you can ever imagine. No threat of destruction or someone trying to hurt you or harm you. No concern, no stress, no loss, no arthritis, no health problems, no problems whatsoever, just joy. And spending eternity with the greatest love and the greatest kindness and the greatest family ever. That's what we get to have. You guys want to stop and start praising? Let's do that. But let me go on to add one more thing. Let me go on to say that we get to not only experience that as a hope in the future, but we get to take installments now on our retirement. What I mean by that is we live now with that reality. We don't have to wait till we die. We can begin living now with that reality. Every time there is a victory over your sin, that you're not walking according to the flesh, but you're walking according to the spirit, that is the withdrawal you made on your retirement that awaits you. You can have it now, and you get to have it fully later. You get a portion of it now, and you'll have it all complete later. This is called that already not yet. You are in retirement. You get to enter into the rest because you are in Christ. Although it is not fully realized like it will be one day, you get to have that. You get to live in victory because we're in Jesus and Jesus has been resurrected. That's victory over death. And so that victory applies to his brothers and sisters now. The wisdom you obtain through the word to live your life now making right decisions. You can have that now, beginning making right decisions. You're not left on your own to just anticipate a hope that's coming down the road. It can begin, and it does begin for you right now. The joy you experience when you worship God now isn't something where, like, well, when I get to heaven, we're all going to be worshiping and praising God 24-7. We get to do that now. We get to take those withdrawals from our retirement account right now. It is a now and later. It is an already not yet. What's the not yet piece? Well, I'm still struggling today. Yesterday I was living in victory. Today I messed up. But guess what? There's going to be one day where there's no messing up. So I'm going to keep on striving. I'm going to keep on believing. I'm going to keep on living in the hope that I have it now, but it's going to be completed later as well. That is a win-win situation. This is why Paul says elsewhere, to live is Christ, to die is gain. There's nothing you can do to me because I'm in Christ. If I live, I'm going to live in the victory of Christ now. If I die, guess what? I'm in the presence of Christ. That's a win-win situation. That's a blessing. This is great. This is great. This is good news for those who don't have retirement, who don't know who don't have anything to look forward to, who don't have a hope. I sat down by a lake. A kid, student, uh, asked if he can speak with me after my teaching class. And I said, yeah, sure. I said, let's go, let's let's take a walk. And uh, 
and we're on a walk. And I won't get into all the details, but here's the summing up of his life. He was like, I'm 16. Uh, my mom died. My father isn't a believer. He's into drugs. My grandparents aren't, I, I, I can't reach out to my grandparents. They don't, I, don't, I don't have ways to go to church. I go home, I go in my room, and I'm just miserable. I'm depressed. I feel like there's no avenues for me to go. I'm completely surrounded by people who don't care the way I care for Jesus. There's nothing I could do about it. It's so lonely. I don't feel like there's anything that I have that I get to obtain. Like, there's nothing that I can grasp. Everybody in my area, my family that I'm involved in, the house I'm living in is not suitable. I struggle. My own brothers are involved with drugs. I'm not. I don't want to be, but it's constantly surrounding me. Those are the people who, when they read this, they get super excited. You mean I get to be in relationship with God, a true, good father who doesn't mess with me, who actually wants good for me, who sees to my needs? You mean to tell me I'm a part of a family that wants me? And not only wants me, but gives me all these things that I actually have a purpose that they tell me that I have, that my life will make sense and does make sense, that there is something that I get to obtain that it won't be like this forever. Those are the people who, when they read this, they feel blessed. They feel astonished. And that's exactly what I spoke into him. He said, hear the good news. You are loved. There is a good father, and you can be in relationship with him right now, and he also has a future for you. It won't always be like this. In fact, he will continue to make it better for you. Believe, trust, follow. I think I should stop here, because the father's blessing was enough. But then he gave us the son's blessing and what he lavishes on us. But yet here there's also the spirit's blessing. We got dad and our brother's gifts and now we get the helper and the spirit's gifts to us, the blessings. Verses 13 and 14. In him, you also, I love that, thank you. There's more than just one, there's more than just two. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view of the redemption of God's possession to the praise of his glory. Mm. Reception. That's the Spirit's blessing. We get to receive the Holy Spirit. I make reference to this all the time because for me, this is what keeps me going. Ephesians 1.13. Ephesians 1.13. Believe in Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit. What's the blessing in that? What's the big deal? Oh, let me break that down for you, what the big deal is. Some of you have heard it this week about what the big deal of the Holy Spirit is. You see, I could take you on a survey right now, and we can look at the life and the ministry of Jesus. 
everything that he did, how he was able to overcome temptation, how he was able to never sin, how he, how he was able to heal, how he was able to bring and usher in the kingdom everywhere he walked, was because he was the son of God, but he also had the Holy Spirit descend upon him in the form of a dove. The father says, you're my, you're my beloved and son with whom I am well pleased. He goes, the spirit was in him, it says, the scripture says, and he began to heal, cast out demons, do all this, do all that. So that tells me that Jesus' life, when he took on flesh like us, when he took on the form of a bondservant, when he became human like us, he gave us an example that says, this is life in the spirit. Watch me, follow me, and go and do as I do. The Holy Spirit fueled and empowered Jesus to do all the amazing things we get to read about. And a lot of people say, well, 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 that's just Jesus, though. I mean, that's the Son of God. Then why does Jesus say to his disciples, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to do greater things than anything you've witnessed in my ministry? Jesus said that. Not me, not anybody else. Jesus himself, and I take him at his word. The Holy Spirit himself is a blessing. It is one that we need to receive. The Holy Spirit seems to be bringing everything that Paul's been talking about as blessing into summation. Look again at 13 and 14. He says, listening to and believing in the message of truth. That's revelation. View of redemption. Redemption. Those are the blessings we've been talking about. God's own possession. Relationship. Pledged of inheritance. That's retirement. And you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's reception. Those are the blessings. That's great. That's wonderful. Soak up chapter 1, because every chapter after that just grows in detail about those blessings. Paul works all the blessings out from chapter 1. He says, this is it, this is it, this is it, this is it. And so here we have a formula, in a sense, that says, when you believe the gospel, let me be very pointed and specific, you have to believe the gospel to believe in Jesus. You have to believe in the good news and place your faith in Jesus, and then you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit then comes into your life and begins to clean house, begins to rework it, begins to change your life, change your desires, begins to completely cause you to be born again. And it works through in your life and through your life. It empowers you. It helps you to live as you ought to live and to live in the way that you were created. It allows you to influence the way you've been influenced by the gospel. It reminds you of every one of these blessings. It reminds you when you're hopeless of the hope that lies before you. When you're depressed, when you have anxiety, it whispers and speaks to you. And sometimes we may not hear it because we live in our flesh and we are more prone to let our minds wander, not to listen to the Spirit, but to listen to ourselves. And Paul warns about this. He says, stop living according to the flesh and live by the Spirit. When you have a decision before you, utilize the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to turn away from it. I want you to, I, youth, you need to pay attention to this. 
Something I added last night in my notes that I think for as a dad, I would have everybody come to know that I'm, I'm not overly drawn to the Holy Spirit, but it is part of the Trinity, and I would have you know this. The power of the Holy Spirit is stronger than your flesh. It's stronger than these things, and you have to live by it. Just like you and your free will has chosen Jesus Christ because of the good news, you need to choose to live by the Spirit. And when you choose to do that, you're not grieving the Holy Spirit, but you're living by it. Because I will not have you submit to a gospel based on your works. All these blessings come not because you are high and mighty, but because God is high and mighty and he just loves and is kind and is good. Giving all good gifts to his children. Parents and youth, I would have you know this. Don't submit to an idea that you could be sinless without the Spirit. Quit telling sinners that they are more influential than saints. Don't tell them to stop hanging out with trash because they might smell like it. Because last time I checked, and I preach about this last time, the power of grace is stronger than sin. Jesus came and says, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I take trash cans and make them treasure chests. I take that which is ash and make it beautiful. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Devoid of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, we'll smell like trash. Because we are trash, metaphorically speaking. You have to. Don't diminish the work and the role of the Holy Spirit because Jesus didn't. I asked the youth a question for two days. What role did the Holy Spirit play in the life of Jesus? It empowered his ministry. It empowered his life. And that's why we hold Jesus as our exemplar, our example. And guess what? Jesus says, I'm going to go and I'm going to send you that same spirit and you can live the life that I lived. And matter of fact, that's why you were created. So go and do it. Follow me. Do what I do. It's only through the Holy Spirit. Not in and of yourself. Don't diminish the role of the Holy Spirit in your teaching and your communication. Either God redeems or he doesn't. And if you're not going to give credit to the working of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life, then don't tell them that they got hope to take ash to beauty from trash to treasure. Because last time I checked... And as I'm reading the life and ministry of Jesus, he ate with sinners, but wasn't impacted by sinners because he was living by the Spirit. As a matter of fact, he impacted the sinners. Paul says it this way, grace is more powerful than that sin. Man, sin, yeah, it's really devastating. It has ruined this world. It has ruined our atmosphere. It has ruined our lives. But yet grace abounds, and grace is even stronger than that. Even though we are all born in sin, guess what? God is gracious and loving and kind, and that grace floods us. And instead of being sons and daughters of sin, we become saints sons and daughters of the living God by believing in Jesus and receiving his spirit to remake us.
I love the proof that Paul talks about here. The spirit of promise. He's using language from Jesus himself. He says, Jesus promises that he will give you his spirit when he goes to the right hand of the Father. For all those who would believe, first to his disciples who waited in Jerusalem, like Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem, and the spirit, the helper, is going to come. And they did, and it did. The spirit of promise. The spirit holds in us that pledge of God. He, re, he shows us the receipt when we're hopeless and says, no, Jesus has paid for it, and you're going to receive it. He reminds us of the hope that we have, of our redemption, of our relationship with the Father. And all of it leads to praise. Praise is worship. The last words in this pericope, these verses, these 14 verses about blessing says this, to the praise of his glory. Now, oftentimes, we're going to say those words, and they're just throw-out words, but let's not move too quickly past it. Because in a fallen world where ruin and famine and sin are not only observed but also experienced, there's not much we find ourselves being able to praise. But we have been blessed with something. We've been blessed by someone. We've been blessed with someone. Someone to praise, a source of all goodness, a source of all redemption. Imagine if there was nothing good to hope for. Imagine if there was nothing out there to redeem the lost, the stolen, the broken. Life would be dire and miserable. And some are living like this now. There's nothing they can stir up in them to praise because they don't see the someone there is to praise. There is good news. There is a God who loves, a God who cares, a God who has provided all that we truly need and what we ultimately desire. He blesses us not on the merit of our deeds, but on his loving kindness and out of who he is. We have something and someone to praise, and that is good news. And there you have it. The blessings from Dad, our big brother, and our helper. Rest in these. I hope you find encouragement. I hope you find some excitement, some meaning, significance, some praise. Write these on the walls and doorposts of your home. Tell them to your children that their life matters and that their life is for Christ, in Christ, in Him. Maybe you want these blessings that only come in Christ. It's simple. Christ died for you while you were still a sinner. Because of his death and you believing in him, he makes you a saint. You receive the Holy Spirit and all these blessings are true for you in Christ. So maybe that's the beginning of things for you today. To believe in Christ. 
Maybe you already believe in Christ. You're already in Christ, but you need to be reminded of them. Pray, Holy Spirit, remind me of these things. When I have anxiety, when I'm depressed, when I'm down, when I feel hopeless or I feel aimless, remind me of these blessings. Be in the Word. Live by the Spirit so that you can be reminded of the happiness, the hope, and the home that you're heading towards. Praise the Lord. We have just recently, and I'll close with this, we have just recently introduced a new song for Bo. Um, I usually, we sing this before our meals. And it goes a little something like this. If you know it, sing it with me. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It's important that he knows how to praise because he's going to come into the reality of these blessings. And those words we can all sing together, just like we can pray all together the Lord's Prayer. We sing praises for the blessings that flow down from God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much just for all that you've done. You lavish on us. That is, you pour out, you cover us, you drench us in your loving kindness. We love you. We serve you. All of our life is bent towards knowing Jesus and having him known in all the world. Thank you, Father, for the blessings you give us and bestow upon us. Thank you, Jesus, our big brother, who has given us more blessings. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for living in us and reminding us and making us righteous and helping us to live now the hope that we have in the future. May we praise you, adore you, and exalt you with our voices and in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.